Hey, we're doing a series on Sunday morning called Sins That We Hide. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at pseudo-spirituality, where we look spiritual on the outside, but on the inside, we're not. We're not connected with God. We're not aligned with him. And so on the outside, we look good. But on the inside, as Jesus described some guys, they were full of dead men's bones. We're, we're just not right with God on the inside. Jesus even said, you call me Lord, but your heart is far from me. And we can do that. And then last week we looked at uh, over there. There is slides, but overcoming apathy and indifference. Uh, last week, and uh, this week we're, we're doing something different. We're looking at overcoming laziness and um, procrastination. My brain wouldn't come up with the word. So what's the difference between apathy and laziness? Let me share it with you in a way that will be easy to remember. Okay? Apathy means you don't care. Laziness means you don't care enough. You do care, but not enough to actually do something about it. So the person who's apathetic, they're not going to do something and they don't care. The person who's lazy, they're not going to do it, but they might feel a little guilty afterward. So an apathetic person does not care. A lazy person does not care care enough. So the book of Proverbs is a treasure trove of information on people who are lazy. There's verses describing the sluggard, the slothful person, the slacker, the lazy person. And so I hope you have a Bible with you and you can turn to the book of Proverbs and we're going to start in chapter 6. Now we're going to look at a lot of different verses in Proverbs and as we look at each one or each set of verses, uh, I have a picture to go with them. So in Proverbs 6, we're looking at the ant. And so here's your picture of the ant. Now, look at that. that. How could you hold something in your teeth, hold your head sideways, and walk straight? That's pretty impressive. God's given ants abilities. And in the Word of God, he gives us instruction that we can learn from the ant. Proverbs chapter 6, verse number 6. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. So the ant, they don't have supervisors and managers. They just get out there and work. And everyone works and everyone benefits. And God said, look at the ant. You're supposed to be working, part of a group of people, working and laboring. And, you know, I feel bad for Charlie that they've worked him so hard in the heat of the summer. But, hey, God designed us to be workers, and Charlie's honoring God while he's working. Go to the end, he says. And then he, he goes on in the passage. He says, um, verse 9, how long will you slumber, O sluggard? Just want to stay in bed and sleep. When will you rise from your sleep? Oh, just a little bit more. A little sleep. A little slumber. A little folding of the hands to rest. To sleep. And verse 11. So shall your poverty come upon you like a robber. 
and your need like an armed man. If you allow yourself to just lay back and be lazy, you're going to pay a price later on. Consider the ant. Follow the counsel and advice of the ant. And do your work now so you're ready for the days ahead. In fact, God really wants you to labor now so that you're laying up a reward in heaven with him. Turn over to chapter 4, uh, chapter 10, sorry, Proverbs chapter 10, verse number 4. Proverbs 10, 4. He who deals with a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes one rich. If you're a lazy slacker, you're going to be poor. Now, some kid, this is a picture of a kid. Kids can't really help being poor. Kids are born to parents who are poor. Some people, through no fault of their own, end up being poor. They've worked, they've been diligent. Sometimes other people have taken advantage of them. Sometimes they live in an economic system that puts them in a significant disadvantage. But this verse is talking about a person who has the capacity to improve their life. They just don't. Instead of working, they just sit back and wait. There are some people that are homeless on the streets today because they've had evil people take advantage of them, uh, because they've uh, lost uh, the spouse who was uh, laboring for them. But some people are homeless because they choose not to work. And the Bible in the New Testament says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. So I, I'm glad that we have homeless shelters, especially when it's this hot in the summer, uh, homeless shelters in different places. But sometimes we're helping people be lazy. Now, there's a lot of people in need. So what do you do to help people in need? Well, one of the things we do as a church is we support the Casa Grande Community Assistance Fund, our Community Assistance emergency assistance fund. Uh, we, we support that as a church. From Part of our offerings go to help that, to help people in serious need. Um, but uh, years ago, when I was pastoring in another community, a guy came to me, and he wanted help, financial help from the church, and he told me who his landlord was and who his boss was, and I happened to know both his landlord and his boss. So I told him, well, before I, we can help you, I need to, to talk to some people and, and I'll get back to you. So I, I called his boss on the phone and I said, you know, he said he's lost his job. And he said, yeah, we had to let him go because he wouldn't show up for work. Hmm. So then I called his landlord. He said, Terry, you got a minute. You can come over here. So I went over to the house the guy was renting. There was one of those satellite dishes that's like, as big as my hand. Uh, looking through the sliding glass door, we could see a television set that I have never seen a television set that big. The guy bought the satellite dish and the television but couldn't pay his rent. So I went back to this man who lost his job because he wouldn't work and I told him, we'll help your wife and kids, but the Bible says we can't help you. You have to work. He got offended called me all kinds of obnoxious names, which didn't motivate us to help him anymore, by the way. Uh, but see, the Bible says a lazy person will become poor. 
The hand of the diligent will be made rich. It doesn't mean you work hard, you'll be rich. But it does mean you'll be better off if you work hard than if you don't. Don't be lazy. And don't look down on people who are struggling financially. It may be no fault of their own. You don't know their heart. If they're lazy and you help them, God will forgive you. You don't know their heart. You just respond as the Spirit leads you to help, and you help people in need. Uh, chapter or 10, verse 26, further down in the chapter. I love this illustration. As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to those who send him. So here's a boss. He's got an employee who's a slacker. The boss goes to fuss at the employee, and the employee's like, what? What? But, you know, the slacker, they're not doing the job. And if you're the boss, you get frustrated with that. Uh, there's discouragement. The employer of a lazy man feels frustrated all the time. You've got to dog them to make them work. And this is one of the reasons, parents, why you should be giving your kids chores. Now, I think it's okay if you pay them for some of the chores they do. But don't pay them for all of them. Some of the chores they do are because they live in this house. They share this roof. They share this air conditioning. They share the labor in the house. So pay them for some of the chores, maybe the bigger ones. But don't pay them for everything because then they think life's a handout. And they need to learn that God is designed for us to be workers. Now, jump over to chapter 12. A couple of verses in chapter 12. I love this picture. Chapter 12, verse 27. Oh, wait, I, verse 24. Chapter 12, verse 24. Um, the hand of the diligent with, will rule, but the slothful will be put to forced labor. In other words, the only way you can make a lazy person work is if you force them to. Here's a picture of a mother with a teenage kid. Imagine this. A parent with a teenage kid that's not working diligently? I... I, I can't imagine that. Can you guys? No. So though this mom's ordering him to go, and he looks very enthusiastic at the prospect, doesn't he? Right, the, the next picture was the one that I really liked. Chapter uh, 12, verse 27. Uh, the slothful man does not roast what he took in hunting, but diligence is a man's precious possession. Okay? Uh, the, the idea here is a slothful man doesn't finish the job. Does that water tower look a little odd to you? This water tower from the town of Sussex. And the water tower said S-U-S-S-E-X, -S -S Sussex. And they're repainting it. And I suppose the new paint job shows up fine to you guys. I struggle with seeing color. But, but they're starting the new painting from this side. And they're painting this way. And they only got it halfway done and then stopped. So they covered up the S-U-S, but left the rest of the name of the town. So it doesn't look like the town of Sussex. It looks a little awkward. <laughs> the lazy person goes out and hunts and comes back and doesn't even prepare the meat. He just lets it rot. Instead of being diligent to finish the job. So... Finish the job. Don't be like the Sussex water tower painter. 
Chapter 13, let's put a new picture up there, okay? Chapter 13, verse 4. The soul of a sluggard desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. They want. You know, people can lay around on their sofa. Nothing wrong with laying down on your sofa. I think we took turns doing it yesterday. I did for a while, then Megan did for a while, then Kathy did for a while. Uh, but uh, it's nothing wrong with laying down on the sofa if you do it after you've worked. But if you do it instead of working, then there's an issue. Then there's a problem. So the lazy person, it, it, the sluggard, they want stuff, but they just don't have it because they're not, they don't want it enough to actually work for it. Uh, chapter 15, verse 19. Chapter 15, verse 19. There's two images on the screen and two images in this verse. The way of the slothful man is like a hedge of thorns. Uh, can you see the thorns that are up over here uh, on, on this picture? All, this is a big thorn bush here. It may be a little difficult for you to see. Uh, and then this is this wide open clear pathway for these people. The way of the slothful man is like a hedge of thorns, but the way of the upright is a highway. So the one who's lazy, they're going to continuously run into obstacles or supposed obstacles that keep them from actually working. And so they're going to run into those obstacles and difficulties. But the diligent person is going to be more open. Why? Because they're looking for opportunities instead of looking for obstacles. Instead of trying to get out of work, they're actually looking forward to doing something and accomplishing something and, and uh, rejoicing. Years ago, we had a friend who joined a church and they wanted to get really active in their church and and start serving in their church. And they were talking to a couple of their siblings. And their siblings made fun of them. Because their siblings went to a church. But didn't join the church. And didn't serve in any way. And they said buddy now that you've joined. They're going to put you to work. They're going to take advantage of you. And the one that joined the church said listen. I want to serve God. We should want to. There should be a desire to. And whether you're a member of a church or not, you should be engaged in ministering for the Lord. I think being a good church member is healthy. I think it's the best thing. But you need to be serving God, not just sitting back watching other people do it. If you come to church with the attitude, well, I'm here to be served. Well, boy, that offertory better be good. Well, thankfully it was. Well, the music better be good. And, and Jim Ricosi better lead the singing really well today because Ben did a great job last Sunday night. We just may trade him out. You know, they, they come with this bad attitude and, and they want people to serve them. When you come to church, you should try and serve and minister and see how you can help people. And <laughs> I keep seeing Alice's hands and feeling guilty because there's not a thing she can do this week. She's stuck. So, Alice, this is for your future life. Okay? <laughs> All right? Chapter 18. Chapter 18. The, the way us, in chapter 15, the way the slothful lives adds difficulty to their life. Uh, that's the thorns and thistles. In chapter 18 and verse 9, slothful people 
are wasteful. He who is slothful in his work is a destroyer to him, uh, a brother to him who is a great destroyer. All right, now let's stop and think about this. How many of you know what is terrorism? What, what would a terrorist want to do? Destroy things, okay? This verse says the slothful person is a brother to a terrorist. Let's look at it this way. There are people who intentionally would love to destroy the government of the United States of America. They would want to destroy it. They would want to attack it. They would crash planes into the Pentagon and maybe try and get into the White House or, or, or Congress. Uh, they would want to attack and destroy our government. But the biggest problem we have in our government is wasteful people within the government. The ones who actually work for the government, but don't work for the government. And, and so they're the brother of the wasteful person. I know the wasteful person is a brother to a terrorist. And, and destroying things insidiously from the inside instead of attacking from the outside. I love that picture. <laughs> I don't know what city that is. It must be Canada or something. Wouldn't happen in America, right? So, uh, but it, it's it's uh, piles and piles of trash. Americans are extremely wasteful people. In fact, we throw out more food than most of the world has, just because we're tired of eating it. Learn to eat leftovers. It's it's a blessing. Um, Slothful, lazy people are wasteful. Chapter 19, verse 15. Slothfulness casts one into a deep sleep and an idle person will suffer hunger. The slothful person on the job, they're the one always yawning. Kathy and I, one time, we're in a Sunday school class and the Sunday school teacher got up there and started teaching. Now, I'm not going to do that again. Uh, but he did that all through his lesson. He kept yawning. And by the end of Sunday school, I was working really hard to stay awake. I was like slapping my head. And Kathy was helping me on the other side. Not, not really. But, but we were tired. We were exhausted just from being around a person who was so lazy they couldn't put energy in. And then we found out later he'd stayed up all night playing games instead of preparing for Sunday. And that's why he was so sleepy. Uh, and the slothful person is the one who they just want to sleep the day away. They're too tired to work. And they're uh, a deep sleep. And, and they're idle and, and they're going to suffer hunger. They're not going to provide for themselves or their family. <laughs> Look down at verse 24. A slothful man buries his hand in the bowl and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. Here's a picture of a lazy eater. He, he can't even bother to use a fork to bring the food to his mouth. He's just sucking it off the plate. I wonder what he does with chicken. <laughs> I love that picture. I saw that. And it's supposed to be a spoof uh, of what super lazy people are like. And, and just imagine just laying there sucking it in. Um, and, and yet... Have you seen those recliner chairs 
Um, they got flip out things here and flip out things here. They got a cooler here. They got a storage thing here for all your remotes and everything. And you don't have to get out of your recliner chair. You can just sit there and lay there. And, do, and they got gaming chairs that have even more stuff hooked up to it. So you don't even have to get up. Well, that's what a slothful person does. That's what a slugger does. Too lazy to even feed himself. It's so much work to bring the food all the way to my mouth. Now, sometimes it's really cute when little kids are really tired. <laughs> Leah was that way at the table the other day. She just could hardly eat. And so Megan would bring a bite up to her, and Leah would take the bite and chew it. But then Leah wouldn't actually use her hand to get the next bite. She'd just lay there. Megan would say, open your mouth. Because Megan knew if she didn't get enough food in Leah, then Leah's going to be awake at 3 a.m. wanting more food, you know? So uh, that, that's okay, and it's cute when they're little, little kids. But it's not cute when they're not little kids. Now, I have heard the rumor that Gary Burnett has to feed his wife. Shocking. <laughs> who might listen to this online, Alice has two broken wrists, okay? So I'm just picking on Alice a little bit. Uh, too lazy to feed yourself. I love that picture. Uh, chapter 20, verse 4. The sluggard will not plow because of winter. Therefore, he will beg during the harvest and have nothing. Here's a picture of two fields side by side. Can you tell which field has been plowed? Yeah, it's a black and white picture. You can still tell which field has been plowed. Can you guess which field will bring forth the better harvest? Which one? The plowed field. Why? Because they put in the time to make it happen. But the slugger, the lazy one, they're not even going to plow. They're not going to labor now. Uh, they're not going to plow. Well, it's a little too cold. To get up early in the morning and go out and do the plowing. Obviously, we're not talking about plowing in southern Arizona this time of year. But a little too cold to get out there and go do the plowing. And uh, then when the harvest time comes, they have nothing. Because they didn't prepare in advance. Chapter 21. Chapter 21, verse 24. They're greedy. A proud and haughty man, scoffer is his name. He acts with arrogant pride. The desire of the slothful kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. He covets greedily all day long, but the righteous gives and does not spare. The greedy person is grabbing for that money, grabbing onto. But a generous person, a not slothful, lazy person, a diligent person is going to share, is going to help is going to minister to other people, but not the slothful, lazy one. They're grabbing what they can get. Years ago, I had a friend who worked out at the University of Arizona, and he said outside their office window, they uh, used epoxy to seal a 50-cent piece onto the sidewalk. And then people would see it, and oh, they'd run to pick it up. And they said it was really funny because some people would just like tug at it and realize it wasn't coming up and then just walk away. Other people would work and work and work. And one of them opened the door and said, you know, if you worked that hard on the job, you'd have your own 50 cent piece. <laughs> uh, 
they want to get it from somebody else. Uh, people will stand in line to get handouts. But the joy is when you get to do the give outs and give to help people and give to minister to people. That's the real joy and that's what the diligent enjoy. Uh, they're lazy people are too lazy to work to improve their circumstances. They just suffer. Chapter 22, verse 13. The slothful man says, there's a lion outside. I shall be slain in the streets. Yeah, if you were on your way to work and met that walking down the street, that would scare you, wouldn't it? But the slothful man says, there might be a lion out there. We lived in uh, Green Valley before we had, God brought us here. And uh, just south of our church was this long dirt road that ran for, well, not really long, but half a mile, three quarters of a mile, uh, dirt road, really soft dirt road. And it was just on the south side of the church. We lived on the north side of the church in a parsonage. And uh, one day, I, somebody told me that a, a black panther had been seen in our neighborhood and that it had been on that road south of the church. So we went down to that road south of the church, and sure enough, there were kitty cat paw prints about this big going up along that road behind the church. I was glad we hadn't gone out for an evening walk the night before. Um, but big, huge panther. But you know what? If that panther had hung around, we wouldn't have let the kids out on the playground. We, we would have been diligent. We would have gotten our car. We would have moved from the car to the building. We, we wouldn't have hung around outside. So if there is seriously a cat out there, you, you want to be afraid of them, not just the big ones. The little ones can be pretty fierce beasts too, right? <laughs> and, uh, but especially the big ones. Be scared of those things. But see, this is the lazy person. He said, well, I, I can't go out today. There might be a lion in the street. Well, I, I, I would go do something, but an elephant might charge my car. Not likely in Arizona, okay? Not likely. And so they make up excuses not to work. Chapter 24. They don't take care of their property, and they live in poverty. What what do you see in this picture? A tractor that's Yeah, a tractor that's overgrown. Is that tractor going to do much work plowing the field? Not likely. Unless, of course, this is the stealth farmer. Uh, no, this tractor is pretty worthless. If it ever is going to work again, it's going to take a lot of work to get it to that place. And that's how a slothful person is. They just let things go. They don't take care of things. Chapter 24, verse number 30. I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it and received instruction. Remember this said earlier, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, so your poverty will come like a prowler and your want like an armed man. 
So he said, they're not taking care of their property and they're going to end up living in poverty and need somebody else to bail them out. Ecclesiastes 10.18 says, because of laziness, the building decays and through idleness of hands, the house leaks. Years ago, we had a friend in Texas who allowed a relative to stay in her house. And then she decided she wanted to put the house up for sale. This relative had been staying there at extremely reduced rent and only for three years. But in those three years, the house had fallen apart. There had been a leak in the ceiling and they hadn't said a word about it. And so the, the ceiling in the back half of the house had actually collapsed. And they just moved into the front half of the house. Never said a word to the homeowner. And eventually when the homeowner was ready to sell the house after not living in it for three years, she couldn't sell it. They had to demolish the house and just sell the property because a lazy relative stayed there. Don't let relatives stay in your house. No, I'm just kidding. Don't let lazy ones stay in your house. If, they're, if you know they're not going to be diligent, then they're not going to take care of things and God wants things taken care of. So uh, this lazy person just lets things fall apart. Uh, things collapse all around them. And poverty will come like a prowler. That lady lost thousands and thousands of dollars that she would have gained from that house if that person had not lived there for those three years. Chapter 26. I just have one last picture for the book of Proverbs. The book of excuses. Chapter 26, this person makes a lot of excuses and you're gonna recognize some of these verses because these ideas came up earlier in Proverbs. 26, 13. The slothful man says, there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion in the streets. Verse 14. And not willing to get out of bed, as the door turns on its hinges, so does the slothful turn on his bed. Back and forth and back and forth and doesn't go anywhere. Uh, verse 15. Too lazy to feed himself. You'll recognize this. The slothful man buries his hand in the bowl. It wearies him to bring it back to his mouth. Aw, poor guy. No, lazy guy suffering from himself. Verse 16. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. The lazy one comes up with all kinds of excuses and they think they've got things figured out and they have it right when they don't. So we've been looking at sins that we hide and today focusing on laziness and procrastination. And, you know, God hates it. And we're going to turn to one last passage of scripture and we're going to see something that God wants us to get and to understand. To not be like the lazy person. And to be honest with you, some of those verses are kind of funny sounding, aren't they? I mean, it's hilarious for me to picture Tim Martinez coming home from work so exhausted that when Missy sits food in front of him, he can't even bother to bring the food all the way to his mouth. See, Todd, there's something you could do. You could feed your dad when he's so tired. <laughs> Or you could let Tucker do it, Tim. Hand Tucker a fork and ask him to feed you. <laughs> anyway, so lazy. Some of these verses are hilarious. 
in the world today. The American dream used to be you can get a job, you can get ahead. The American dream today is you don't have to work. It used to be you can work hard and get ahead. Now the dream is you don't have to work because you have a rich uncle or rich uncle Sam if you're on welfare. You don't have to work for it, but God wants you to work. So take your Bibles and turn to the New Testament, to the book of Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 6. The first thing that we're going to see is God is aware of the good work you do, and God appreciates the good work you do. So God is aware of it, and he appreciates it. Now let's look at what the Bible says. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. You know, sometimes you can help somebody and then they turn against you. You can help somebody out and then they don't value that. They don't appreciate that. But God always does. God's aware of the work you're doing and he appreciates it. He's not unjust to forget it. He will remember and he will reward you. Verse 11. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope to the end. So God appreciates, he knows your work and he appreciates your work and God expects you to be diligent. We desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope to the end. What is diligence? Now, if a parent tells a child to pick up a mess, Say there's a mess of stuff here. I almost brought a bunch of toys up here and then made you kids pick it up. Maybe I should have. Maybe tonight. No, I'm just kidding, kids. Feel free to come back tonight. We won't do that. But, but you have this big mess of toys and then tell the kids to pick them up. And sometimes the kids will pick them up. Is that diligent? No, the diligent one's going to grab them and go and grab and go and keep moving. Now, sometimes my parents used to make a contest to see who could put away the most toys so that we could get them all picked up. Kathy and I had a simpler rule, one toy at a time, ouch, and then put that one away before you get another one out. And then you didn't have piles of toys uh, to clean up at the end. Uh, but there's a difference. You can see a difference if somebody's doing it or if they're doing it with diligence. You can see that with policemen. Have you ever seen cops directing traffic? Some of them do it with diligence, don't they? They're like, don't go, don't go, don't go. And others are like, whatever, get out of my way. You know? And there's a, a diligence that you see. You know, when Jim Ricosi was up here leading the song leading, you want him to do it with a little diligence, right? You don't want them just up here and sing whatever. No, you want them to tell you what we're going to sing and then lead in the sing and follow it. And, and the pianists are playing with diligence. They're following it. They're tracking it. Savannah's not over here playing something different than what Kathy was playing over here because Savannah just, just didn't feel like keeping up with Kathy. So she started playing something different. No, you want them to be diligent to stay on task. 
When you're going into surgery, you don't want to go in and the doctor say, hey, you know, we're going to cut you open and do something, okay? You want him to know exactly what he's doing. So God wants you to be diligent spiritually. Not be lazy. Not apathetic. He wants you to care, but he wants you to care enough to do something about it. Verse number 12. Uh, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So God appreciates, he's aware of the good work you do, he appreciates the good work you do, he wants you to work with diligence, and he expects you to be a good example. He wants you to be able to follow others who set a good example so that other people can follow you and your example so that they can learn and other people can follow them. And through the centuries, we can pass along this diligent passion to work for God. God wants you to labor now in order to receive, to receive better rewards in heaven. On a perfect day, in a perfect place, there was a perfect couple who will fully mature in body and mind and spirit. And God said to them, work in the garden. At the beginning of creation, Adam and Eve were challenged to work in the garden. Before sin entered into creation, God's plan for the perfect man and the perfect woman in the perfect garden on the perfect day was work. That's God's plan from the beginning of time. He wants us to be working. And honest work is honorable for life forever. There's a value to it especially when we labor in spiritual matters. Some of you have been teaching Sunday school classes for 20, 30 years, and that continual toil and diligence, it, it's a burden. It, every week, you got to be ready to do it. Every week, my wife teaches a Sunday school class here. Every week, she's talking about, she has to do her Sunday school class. She has to finish getting ready for her Sunday school class. She has to prepare for it. Of course, she starts about 9 o'clock Saturday night, right? No. She starts earlier in the week. She works toward it, prepares for it, so that when Sunday comes, she is ready to teach. And a lot of the teachers here, they just taught this morning, 9.30. They were teaching a Sunday school class. Tomorrow, they're going to start working on their lesson for next week. If they haven't already looked at it this week, so they could connect this week to next week. They're, they're connecting, they're studying, they're laboring. We're getting together for another Awana year. Tim and Thalinda and I have been talking about recruiting workers for different places. Some of you can't do all the work in Awana, but you can come and sit and listen to kids share their verses. Hey, I wear hearing aids, and I have to have kids stand really close to me when they're sharing their verses. And sometimes I have to ask them to slow down or look at me while they're talking so I can hear it. But I can still listen to their verses and, and help them learn the Word of God and understand the Word of God. It's, it's important to get a lot of awards that they memorize the verse perfectly. But the most important thing is they know what it means and they know where to find it because then they can share it with somebody else too or look back on it for the 
themselves. So we want them to know what it means and know where to find it. And then to get the Awana Award, they also have to memorize it. And you can help with that. Um, if you want to, you can talk to Tim or Clarinda. They'll, they'll uh, get the forms for you to do the background screening and all that. You can help. Um, we have different things that go on. And different. We have work days at church. God wants you to be involved and engaged and helping and ministering. This week, our focus is on ministering to one another. I want you to think about how you can minister to someone else like a diligent person would. Like somebody who thought it was important and spiritual. Now, what can you do to help someone? Because you think it's important and spiritual and God We can be lazy. We can come to church and tell, oh, I'm tired. Man, a really full day yesterday. <laughs> what you didn't tell them was you had a full day of watching every football game on the planet because you had your cable TV going or whatever. Uh, every, you, you didn't, oh, yeah, man, a busy, busy week. Well, let's be seriously busy about serious things. Let's not make excuses. Let's get engaged and get involved. That's exactly what God did. When God himself created the heavens and the earth. And God commissioned man in his image to be working and laboring and toiling in his creation. So let's work. Honest work is honorable forever. So there's a little chorus in our hymnal, number 669, make me a servant, humble and meek. Make me a servant. God has called you to serve and to minister. And so we're going to sing about that. And uh, maybe there's a decision you need to make for the Lord. Maybe you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You can be focused on spiritual things and work really hard in church. But if you have never asked Jesus to forgive your sins, you are not on your way to heaven. You need to ask him to be your Savior, to forgive your sins, become part of his family, and then work. Working does not earn your salvation. Salvation is a free gift. But once you receive that gift, then you should work for the Lord, for his honor for his glory, and for your own welfare, and because it's a rewarding life when you minister for others. So let's stand and sing, Make Me a Servant.